stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Rather than potentially strengthening U.S. national security, imposing tariffs on automotive imports from Canada would undermine U.S. security and would have a devastating effect on U.S. competitiveness in the auto sector. Right, and it would have a devastating impact on us, too. So that's Canada's deputy ambassador to the U.S., Kirsten Hillman, testifying of Washington today uh, during a U.S. Commerce Department hearing into the question of uh, new tariffs on the auto sector. This would be bad news. Right. And so this comes with the backdrop, of course, of stalled NAFTA negotiations, uh, the tariffs that have already been imposed on steel and aluminum and the counter tariffs uh, that, that we have applied. So the warning today was that Canada would retaliate to that as well. And it's the same kind of story where I guess we're expected to retaliate, but we know full well that, you know, this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt if the U.S. does this and our response is going to hurt. But we're kind of stuck in, in this bad situation right now, right? I mean, the U.S. is our, our biggest and most important trading partner. That's long been the case, and it's not going to change overnight. But are there opportunities for us to at least rely less on the U.S. than we do right now? Are there trade opportunities that we can pursue that will at least diversify our, our trade strategy? Well, as our next guest writes, our trade, uh, trade strategy is at a critical juncture and that we do need to hedge our bets. Uh, Brian Kingston uh, joins us uh, on the line. He's vice president of policy, international and fiscal issues of the Business Council of Canada. He's written a new piece for the Canadian Global Affairs Institute uh, on these matters, cgai.ca. Brian, thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So today, a lot of talk about the possible uh, impact of, of tariffs on auto imports would be bad for Canada, would be bad for the U.S. Just a, another example, I guess, of, of why there's a bit of urgency here to, to look at uh, diversifying our, our trade strategy. Well, exactly. I mean, we've talked about trade diversification for, for decades, frankly, um, but there's never been that, that real urgency. And now suddenly where we have a NAFTA negotiation that appears to be going uh, nowhere fast, Oh, the tariffs on steel and aluminum exports to the U.S. and potentially tariffs on auto exports, uh, suddenly this is becoming a very, very serious matter and, and uh, trade diversification absolutely has to be top of mind. Well, and we are starting to do that. I mean, we've got a, a trade agreement in place with the European Union. Uh, we've made a lot of progress on the new Trans-Pacific Partnership. So these are the kinds of things you're talking about, right? Exactly. CETA is an extremely important agreement with Europe. It, it gives us preferential access into a massive market, and there's huge potential for it. When you look at the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, that's another uh, very high-quality trade deal that, in particular, will give us preferential access to the very uh, lucrative Japanese market. Uh, this will be extremely beneficial for Canadian agricultural exporters in particular. Um, so we're, we're hoping that the government will ratify that agreement as quickly as possible so that it can come into force and exporters can take advantage of it right away. Right. And it's interesting today, the federal conservative leader uh, called on a, an emergency session of parliament to, to move the deal forward. Now, I, I believe the actual ratification of the deal would fall to, to the uh, executive, but I, I think parliament would still need to pass implementing legislation? Is that your understanding? That's exactly right. Yeah. So legislation was tabled uh, just before the House rose for the summer. So that was a good first step, but it actually has to go through the parliamentary process before the agreement can be fully ratified. And then we note 
notice the other TPP members and tell them we're ready to go. The important reason why this has to be done quickly is because the, once the six countries that are members of the TPP have ratified the deal, it will actually come into force for those six countries. So if we're not part of that first tranche, we miss out on that first mover advantage that a number of countries will secure, particularly into Japan. Three have already notified, so the clock is ticking, and I think that's why uh, the leader of the opposition yeah. wrote that letter to the PM today. Right. Yeah, understandably so. Time is of the essence. But I, I exactly. think, you know, the encouraging sign is that there, there seems to be a broad consensus in Ottawa. There's a lot of disagreement on a lot of things, but... Uh, um, at least the two biggest parties both seem to agree that, that these trade deals are good for Canada and, and are important. That's right, exactly. I mean, everyone understands the urgency and, and why this needs to be done. I think the key point here, though, is we have to be careful not to uh, put our expectations too high. I mean, you're not going to suddenly overnight diversify your trade relationships. Uh, we're very fortunate to sit beside the largest economy in the world. Uh, we share a similar business culture. Uh, we share the same language. In most instances, uh, we're in the same time zone. So this is a very easy market to go do business in, and that's why our trade relationship is so strong with the Americans. However, given the threats to that relationship now, we have to think about other options. Right. And, and those other options exist beyond what we've talked about, that it's not just about CETA and TPP, and then we can say, all right, we're, we're done, we've diversified, and, and leave it at that. Exactly. I mean, you know, of course, looking at China, I think it's an important market. Um, that's a long-term strategy, though. We know that negotiating a trade deal with the Chinese will not be done overnight. But in addition to that, there are things that could be done to support, in particular, SMEs in their ability to export uh, to other markets. So, for example, the Trade Commissioner Service is a really important service that the government offers for free to Canadian companies uh, to help them prepare to export and understand opportunities in new markets. And as I indicate in, in the paper that I wrote, uh, I, there's a lot of potential to, to do more with the Trade Commissioner Service to support them to deliver those services and, and help Canadians diversify their customer base. What about on the competitiveness side? I mean, it's, it's good to have these trade deals and have access to other markets, but we also want to be a jurisdiction that, that um, companies in, want to invest in. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, something that I, I note in, in my paper uh, is that Foreign affiliates, so uh, companies that are uh, subsidiaries of foreign multinationals, uh, well, they're responsible for nearly half of Canada's exports, uh, despite controlling only 17% of all corporate assets in Canada. So attracting foreign investment into Canada and foreign companies here is not just critical for building our economy, creating jobs, but it actually leads to more exports. So we, we have to do a better job of making Canada competitive and attractive. The most obvious place to start is ensuring that we have a corporate tax rate that is competitive with the U.S. and, and other OECD countries. Um, and then sh sending a signal to investors that you can actually get projects done in this country. That is absolutely critical. There have been so many barriers to large infrastructure projects in Canada. Uh, and if you're a foreign investor and you're looking at that, you're, you're going to start to think twice about whether or not this is where you want to invest funds. Yeah. Well, I mean, Trans Mountain, the pipeline project, as an obvious example. Well, that, that, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that needs to be straightened out. Now, regarding corporate taxes, because um, that's something, again, it's one of those issues where there's been some bipartisan support. So we had a, a series of reductions under both liberal and conservative governments. Uh, but some of that competitiveness has, has been eroded. So what, what do you think we, we need to do on that front? 
Sure, yeah. So Canada has always uh, had a traditional advantage over the U.S. We've had a corporate tax rate advantage, and, and that's been something that's been very beneficial uh, to attracting foreign investment here. That was essentially eliminated overnight uh, with the U.S. Tax Cuts and, and Jobs Act. Um, so there, there needs to be something done to at least put us on par uh, with the U.S. In particular, the U.S. allowed uh, the immediate expensing of capital expenditures. Um, so this incents companies that were thinking about investing in new machinery and equipment to do it right now. And that can be a big problem for industries in Canada that are uh, traditionally quite heavy on on capital expenditures. So there is one idea right there. Perhaps in in the fall fiscal update or or budget 2019, we match what the U.S. has done on capital expenditures. There also needs to be a, a signal made that we plan to be competitive on corporate tax rates and at a very minimum stay close to the OECD average. Right now we're above that average as other countries have made efforts to make their tax environment more competitive and we're just not sending those signals right now which I think is a real problem. Yeah I I guess ultimately though I mean this is about mitigating damage isn't it because if if things continue to go sideways between us and the United States that that there's no way to avoid that, that economic pain. Exactly. I mean, if you see a situation where the U.S. does go ahead with tariffs on auto exports, no NAFTA deal is reached and and the Americans actually withdraw from the agreement, uh, you know, we could find ourselves very quickly in a recession and and suddenly uh, we will need an action plan to prop up the economy and ensure that we are competitive and and seen as a a great place to grow a business. And so I'd personally rather see that type of thinking occurring right now and not waiting for the crisis to hit. Indeed. Well, there's certainly some urgency to this. Uh, As mentioned, people can read your paper. It's up at cgai.ca and uh, much more at thebusinesscouncil.ca. Brian, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate being on the show. Likewise. Thanks again. Brian Kingston is uh, Vice President of Policy, International and Fiscal Issues at the Business Council of Canada. And his piece today, uh, making the case for why we need to diversify when it comes to trade. If we've got all our eggs in one basket and that basket is is falling apart at the seams, then let's get some new baskets, right? Seems pretty simple and straightforward. And we've started to do that. And, and like I say, and, and you know, credit to both the conservatives and the liberals. The conservatives got the, uh, the CETA deal, the deal with the European Union, pretty much right to the finish line. The liberals got it over the finish line. Uh, the conservatives supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Obviously, the U.S. withdrew. That meant kind of starting over. Uh, and the liberals got a deal done on the uh, sequel, the new TPP. So, yeah, let's get it done, right? I mean, so it's, it's all well and good to negotiate the deal and say, all right, we're a part of it. We're on board. But we got to get that over the finish line now. So I think it makes sense. You know, typically you hear a call for an emergency debate or emergency session of parliament, and it sounds like political posturing. I think in this instance, there's good reason for it. So the conservatives today saying, look, let's get parliament uh, recalled as soon as possible, and let's get the Trans-Pacific Partnership done. Let's make sure that one of we're one of the first six to ratify so that we're part of, of the initial round of this, this deal going into effect. And in order for that to happen, Parliament has to pass this legislation. So let's get it done. Absolutely. 403-974-8255. Uh, this is Jeremy. Jeremy, go ahead. Hey, Rob. Uh, we definitely need to diversify our trade deals, but everyone's starting to panic about uh, them hitting us with tariffs in the auto industry. Well, I would purport. I can tell you right now that all but three of their models are built in the U.S. That's just Ford, and I know GM, a lot of their stuff's built in the U.S. as well as Chrysler, so just hit them back. 
I just think it's funny that, uh, like, for example, all this latest tariffs on aluminum, that all of a sudden we hit him back and Trump's crying and complaining that uh, it's illegal and complains to the World Trade Organization. It just shows the hypocrisy of that, Matt. Well, yeah, I, I, that much we knew, right? It, it is a little disingenuous, I think, for, for the U.S. to impose tariffs and then to complain what other countries do. I, I think they're worried, though. I think, that, you know, there's a concern here that this is going to cost jobs. This is going to cost jobs in the heartland and some of those states and counties that, that Trump won. And I think they're worried about political blowback. But, I, I mean, the problem with us retaliating is that, sure, we, we can maybe uh, inflict a bit of an economic pain in the U.S., but we're also inflicting pain on ourselves too so yeah it's where do you start i mean the problem too is we have an idiot child prime minister that can't even put a sentence together and trump knows that so he's just walking all over us well yeah maybe <laughs> i mean i don't have a lot of confidence in trudeau <laughs> either um but i mean trump is just that unpredictable that if he if he doesn't want a deal i mean it doesn't matter how how on top of the ball that uh, our prime minister is right exactly uh jeremy appreciate the phone call and, and hopefully the message is getting through in the U.S. And it's not going to be Justin Trudeau or the president of Mexico or any other foreign leader that's going to get through to Trump. I think it's it's going to be voices in the United States that are going to get through to Trump. So today you had the uh, auto industry uh, warning, well, essentially pleading with the president not to go through with auto tariffs. That this would hurt the industry in the U.S. and this would cost American jobs. This is Jennifer Adair with uh, Toyota saying American workers would be the ones to feel the brunt of this. A 25% tariff on imported autos and auto parts would only lead to fewer sales, which leads to fewer American jobs. We cannot let that happen. Well, and hopefully they won't. This is uh, Stuart Countess uh, with Kia saying that putting tariffs on imports would force Kia to increase prices. While we recognize that free and fair trade makes the United States competitive, broad restrictions such as tariffs on autos and auto parts will raise costs for our customers and their families. We've seen that already. We mentioned this uh, already this week, a uh, story in the Wall Street Journal today. That washer and dryer prices climbed 20% in the three months through June, the steepest rise in at least 12 years. Why do we think that's happening? It's happening because of tariffs, which are taxes. So you've made those materials that you need to build those things more expensive. It's going to make the product more expensive. And what kind of impact do you think that's going to have? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.